I just want to have a little bit of a moment with my people. Can, can we talk about this for a moment? Um, uh, has, anybody, has anybody ever grown up uh, going to a, a Saturday market? When I grew up, there was a market near my house where you could buy fake clothes. Has anybody ever been to those markets? Where it's like you can get, uh, like I, I bought a hoodie one time, it was Billy Hong. It wasn't Billabong, but the H, the H had a, a good bend to it. But it meant that I paid $12 instead of quite a lot. You know, that, that, uh, that company received a letter. That had to close down pretty quick. But what, what, I, what I'm holding in front of you uh, right now, would you believe, is two drink bottles. Now, these drink bottles look very similar. They function in the same way with a straw. They actually hold the water incredibly cold about the same amount of time, almost the same length of time. Now, I just want to let you know these aren't my drink bottles. They belong to the ladies in my house. I would never drink from a random look. That is the weirdest drink bottle in the world. Just letting you know, it's not a bottle. It's a cup. It's a portable cup with a straw. One is worth $80 to $90 to purchase. The other one is not genuine. It's $14 to purchase. Someone said way better, whoever said that. I'm in full agreement and unity with you. $80 for a cup with a straw. This is what you call a genius that's good at marketing. And this is an imitation. It's not genuine. It's not the same. You know that these things, who grew up going to the market or you go to, I went to a market in Singapore and you can get a whole bunch of watches that are not genuine. Does anybody have one of those watches? You know, those watches where you go to get the battery changed and it breaks, everything falls apart as the battery, as the battery, has anybody ever had those moments? You can get imitation stuff all the time that is not genuine. You know, often when you look at something that is genuine, there are ways to prove that it is genuine. Uh, it takes somebody to look at the evidence of what it is. They, they look at the detail. They look at the quality. They look at where it came from. Uh, there are many, many different examples of what it could look like, but it has to be proven genuine to be genuine. Now, sometimes people try to present a facade that it's genuine. Okay? Now, I want to give you guys an example. You know, there, I want to give you something new that you guys actually didn't know about me. I'm a climber. I climb things. I climb things. When you all think I'm camping, I'm climbing things. To be honest with you, I put a mountain on the slide just so you guys are aware that I climb things. I mean, for example, if you really look closely at that mountain, you might be able to see me. Because did you know? And what's amazing about that is that was the exact same outfit that I was wearing yesterday. But genuinely, that is imitation. That is fake. But I do climb things. I mean, if we look at the next slide, you can really see the evidence. I climb things. You know, for me, it's... Think of the ability that I must carry to keep my avocado socks on and my slippers. Like... This is not legitimate. It's not genuine. I know some of you find that hard to believe, but it's fake. 
This morning, I want to actually come around a spiritual conversation. And I want us to ask the question, am I genuine? In my faith walk, do I actually line up with who I present myself to be? I want to look at the scripture today and I want us to learn from the Apostle Paul. You know, we might make claims to be followers of Jesus, but does that line up with our heart? Does that line up when doors are closed, when we're not around? If people were to inspect my faith closely, what would they see? You know, I'm always inspired, uh, for those of you that are following along with the Fast Like Daniel series as we've been doing uh, in our devotional world, I like the fact that when people tried to catch him out, they could find nothing in his character and his conduct because he was genuinely wanting to please God. Am I genuine? As we turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4 today, Paul is trying to show some Corinthian troublemakers that he is a legitimate apostle. He's been sent and and his ministry was actually commissioned by Jesus. And what he's doing is he's explaining several things. Now what happens is he's really defending his own ministry. He's having a go at some poor cultures. He's giving some guidance. On one hand, he's super sarcastic. We don't understand that as Australians. We don't know what that means. And then on the other hand, he's this loving, directional father to a church that he was the apostolic father of. He was the guy that that the Lord used to birth the work of God in that place. He's writing them a letter to show them that he's genuine. And as I read through the scripture, I realized that We can learn because if this is what Paul is saying is displayed in his life as a person that genuinely loved the Lord, I started thinking, am I seeing these things in mine? You know what? This is a great health check for my genuine desire to pursue the Holy Spirit. I want to let you know that I am so desperate to chase the lead of the Holy Spirit that I even have a witness I changed the whole direction of this message on Friday afternoon. As a preacher, you don't want to do that. I just want to let you know. But I wanted to be genuine in chasing the Holy Spirit. What does genuine look like? What does genuine look like? So let's read. Uh, There's quite a few verses of Scripture here. Um, But I just believe in reading the Bible because I know that if you read the Bible, you commit to the Bible, you actually won't get it wrong because you're reading God's words to his people. Um, So let's lock in together. I'm reading from uh, the New Living Translation uh, and you can follow along on the screen or you can bring your Bible, you can open it up in your phone. Um, But I want to encourage you today, uh, let's be, as we read this, let's look at Paul as an example uh, of genuine faith. And let's see what we can apply to our lives as we read his letter to the Corinthians. So 1 Corinthians 4 says, now let me set up the context just quickly actually. Pretty much people are having a go at Paul. He's come, he started the church, he's gone. And now there are these Corinthians that are feeling a little bit embarrassed about him. 
He's, he is, he's being beaten up and shipwrecked and all of these different things are going on in his life that if we were to look at him, we'd be like, ugh, you know, is that uh, an amazing thing to aspire to be? He looks like he's in a bit of pain. And oh, on the other flip side, they're very wealthy. They're status driven. They want to be influential. So they're starting to fight around, well, Paul's not looking that cool. So maybe we're going to follow Peter or we're going to follow Apollos. And they start to argue about which leader is better. Now, when you think about it, we've all done that at some point in our lives. I remember going through a traumatic period uh, of time when the Essendon Football Club was in the drug scandal and we were constantly fighting, is, is, should we keep the coach or shouldn't we? We're fighting over who is better. That's what's happening here. They're beginning to fight and now they're beginning to kind of, in the defence of who they're choosing, pay out Paul. They're paying him out and they're picking a side. So that's the context Paul is speaking into. He's defending all of the apostles. He's uh, defending all of the ministries. He's saying you shouldn't pick one or the other. And he goes, but let me show you why just because I'm in hard times does not mean that it's not fruitful and it's not called by God and it's not for his mission and purpose. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now, a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it's a matter, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It's the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns. He will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I've used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I've been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? Why do you have, what do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it was not a gift. You think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you were really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victory's parade or victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools. But you claim to be wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honoured, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty. We don't have enough clothes to keep warm. We are often beaten and go to no and have no home. 
We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us, yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to this present moment. Such a positive moment so far. Stick with me. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. For even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I've sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again, but I will come and soon. And if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether those arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you? Or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? What a, what a moment, what a... Can you imagine reading that and being the arrogant person? It would be a challenge. Because you'd be like, oh, I've been saying the wrong thing and I'm about to be corrected. It would be full on. But now when I looked at this scripture and I, and I searched my own heart, what are some of the things that we see in Paul that we should apply and check, am I being genuine in my life as a follower of Jesus, because there is a lot of things about the Corinthian church, wealthy, got it all together. Our society, we are very, very blessed. And the thing that I have to consistently fight against is apathy. It's just easy. Now, things are changing in our, in our community, changing in our nation, and things may be a little bit more difficult than they were formerly, but we're blessed by God to live in this country. Who agrees? We're absolutely blessed by God that we can gather. So one of the things that I want to start with looking at is faithfulness. Paul says in verse 2, Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. Faithfulness to the vision. Now, when you look at faithfulness, it's actually twofold when you look at the original word. It is trust and loyalty. See, I've been faithful to God and, and, and I have faithful intentions. I want to serve God in that manner. We know that in Luke 16.10, which actually uh, Teague's used this morning, it says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Or in other translations, it says, if you are faithful with little, you'll be faithful with much. If you are trusted, if, you are, if God looks at you and goes, you know what, that pledge, that faith, that commitment to me, not only are you loyal in that, I actually trust you because of that loyalty, faithfulness. 
the one who kept it and is now worthy of God's trust. Are you faithful? Paul is saying here, no matter what I've gone through, I know that what God has entrusted me with, my job is to be faithful with it. I've been given an apostolic ministry. So as a manager of of declaring and sharing the mysteries of God and making them and bringing them to a level that you can understand so you can encounter Jesus, I'm going to be faithful with that because that's what God has called me to do. What's God called you to do? Here's the principle. Let's learn from Paul that we can defend our gospel because the key element in your life is that people can see your faithfulness to God. Everything we do needs to reflect faithfulness to God. Everything we do, in all things that we do, we want our lives to reflect faithfulness to God. I don't want you to be an excellent employee but a dud husband or spouse or you're a great friend to people but then you're a lazy employee all of your life all that you do should reflect your faithfulness to God If it's study, be faithful. If it's work, if it's parenting, if it's marriage. You know, here's one for you. Health is a big one in our community. You know, I don't want you to be the most intelligent uh, Christian with with great, great knowledge, but yet you, you live in a world of gluttony. Faithfulness in all areas of life. If you were to sit back and you were to allow the Holy Spirit to prompt you right now, are there areas of your life where you need to increase your faithfulness to God? Are we faithful? It's a genuine check. It's a genuine check. Paul is saying, I must be faithful to what God has given me. What has God given you? Has he given you family? Has he given you responsibility at work? Has has he given you an ability to actually fight for your own health? All of it is a reflection. I want to be faithful to God because he loves all of me and has a plan for all of me. So I want to be consistently faithful. Everybody say faithful. Everybody say faithful. I think this is a very important one. God is the judge. I don't know what it is about who I am. But every time I watch the block, I become a judge. Can I, can I, is there anybody else in this room? I'm currently watching The Voice. I've already determined who should win that competition. Now here's the problem. When it comes to the Australian Idol, not The Voice, thank you. Appreciate, appreciate, got to keep it. You know, don't judge me. When I look at the block, I am not a builder. I'm not handy in any way. Don't ask me to design anything. But just an add-on, I installed a dishwasher this week. Three cords. I did it three. Things a little bit not level, but I'm working on it. But I don't have a right to judge. Because I don't know really anything about building. I don't have a right. I shouldn't. The voice. Australian Idol. I'm, I, listen, I love music. I love to sing. 
but my desire and love for singing does not give me a right to make judgment on other people. Paul is saying this to those in the community in Corinth who are being judgmental about his ministry. He actually says this to them. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or any human. Going down to verse 4, he says, My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove me right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. It is a very interesting thing that Paul says it is God who decides. He actually says, you can't judge me. I can't even judge myself. But it is God who judges. Now, I want to be a community that understands that because I have received the grace of Jesus Christ in my life, I'm actually full of grace for those that are around me. Because God is the judge. God is the judge. You know, we live in a world where we like opinion. And opinion is okay, but if it leads to judgment of people, it is not. I don't like that person. They always have a grumpy face. You know, oh, those kids are a bit crazy. Bad parentings. Listen, if you've had kids, could be just crazy kids. <laughs> Parents keep working hard. You've got to be diligent and faithful in that. But sometimes kids get tired. Parents have got to keep working. And they don't want to be walking around in a community where they feel judged. You know, even the whole thing about, oh, I'm on the bent about making sure that we are actually a physically healthy community. But if you have got some health problems, you are not being judged. Keep progressing. Keep growing. It's got to be a recognition that it's not Paul, it's not Apollos, it's not Peter who's better, but rather let God judge the internal intent. He says God looks at the heart. We need to be a people. How do you prove that you are a genuine, genuine follower of Jesus? One, I'm building to the main one, so stay with me. But there is an example that you understand grace, so you extend grace. Jesus died for me and I'm sinful. But I need to remember that that grace that came as a free gift is also available to others. God is judging them. Don't worry about human judgment or judgment on myself. What does God believe? Because he's looking at my heart and the intentions of my heart. Where is your heart at? Are you judgmental? Do you create opinions of things without conversations or full details? I wrote down examples that, uh, you know, that people live in when they make judgment calls. You know, the worship's too loud here. And then I get the next person come to me, you know, the worship is not loud enough. I get people that go, we need more words. And then there's other people, we need more freedom. Let's seek God with the intention of our own heart. Can we be focused on where we are in seeking God? And not so much about where others are seeking God. And together, encourage one another. Because I love God and I've received grace, help me to run after Him. Help me to be faithful and not judgmental. If you want the words of Jesus, in Matthew chapter 7, He said, Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. 
For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. These are principles that you can learn. Don't judge. Leave it to God. I would encourage you to look at your own heart with more concern than your opinion about others. God assesses or measures us by our treatment of others. Genuine followers of Jesus, they have received grace, so they are full of grace for others. The next thing I saw as a principle was sacrifice. In verse 10, he says, Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honoured, but we are ridiculed. I think a great example of genuine love for Jesus is you're willing to make sacrifices that cost you to follow Jesus. Sacrifices because you understand that I'm fighting against apathy. I'm fighting against the thought that I need to be comfortable to be successful. But rather I make sacrifice because I want the will of God for my life. It's easy to agree with and it's hard to live out. Because the Corinthians were passing a little bit of judgment. Because he was going hungry, he didn't have a home. One of the big ones in the Corinthian society is that manual labour was really for slaves. And Paul is being a tent maker to support his own ministry. So they were actually a little bit ashamed and a little bit prideful. And Paul is saying, these sacrifices that I've made actually carry purpose and the purpose of God because I will make a sacrifice if the kingdom of God is extended. Paul goes on in this letter and says, I don't say this to make you feel guilty that you're comfortable. And I don't say these things to make us feel guilty that we're comfortable, but rather to warn us. I don't want to go down a road where I am so comfortable and so inward that I forget that the call of God on our lives actually costs us everything. The gift of salvation is free, but to follow Jesus costs you your life. And are we willing to make sacrifices? You know, I think on a practical level, Serving church is easy, but yet in our context, people see it as a sacrifice. And it is. I'm not playing it down. But there are people in different countries that have to sacrifice far more. And the warning that I bring to our community is, are we genuinely making sacrifice for the kingdom of God? You know, in a, in a transparent world, the thing that April and I pick up with and we, we moved to Melbourne and we will remain in Melbourne until the Lord says otherwise. And I've been asking him the next 20 years is my goal. But my family live 150 kilometres away. So I can't be at birthday parties every single one. I miss family dinners. But I take up that with joy because God's using me. It's a sacrifice. There'll be some people in here today, that when you give faithfully to the kingdom of God, it is actually sacrificial. 
but you do it because it's not religious, but there's a genuine love for God and you want Him to know that He's prioritized. There are people making genuine sacrifices for their children to be a a parent that models what it is to be a godly parent. You know, there are some people in our community that could chase incredible jobs, but they'd prefer to be present with their families. That's actually a spiritual sacrifice. But are we sacrificial? It's a question we need to ask us. Am I genuinely sacrificial? You know, fasting is a great way to highlight our need to be comfortable. The longer the fast goes on, I don't know about you, the more negative I become about the fast. So what's the point of this anyway? What's a slice of bread? No one will know. It's a slice of bread with some cheese, salami. Let's have a whole cheat meal. We'll tell no one. But it's like, no, no. God, I need you to move in my life. And I want to remind myself of my need for you. Are you sacrificial? Your time. What are you doing with your time? Your money. Your desire. To lay down your desire so that you can pick up the cause of Christ. They're little things, but they're sacrifices. Like, have you had a battle of all conferences on, but I don't know whether I want to give up my Saturday. We're pursuing God. I'll make sacrifice of time because I want more of Him. And his direction, Paul here says, I don't care that I'm beaten up. I don't care that I don't have a place to live. I don't care that I have to do labor that makes me look like I'm a slave. I'm serving God and the sacrifice is worth it. Everyone say sacrifice. Sacrifice. Shem, I'll have you join me. This is where it builds to where, where Paul actually begins to talk about the authority of why he actually can speak to those that are uh, really paying him out. In, in the NIV version, it says that, Paul says, when I come, I'm paraphrasing and then I'll say the scripture, says, when I come, I'll find out whether your words are just words or whether they carry power. He says, because the kingdom of God is not of talk, but of power. That power that Paul is referring to, if you go to 1 Corinthians 2, 3 to 5, it says this, I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching was very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. He's talking to them about their speech. And now he's saying, when I come to talk to you, it wasn't about words. It was about the power of the Holy Spirit flowing through my life, changing me. Paul is saying that if you're just got words, but the power of the Holy Spirit is not transforming your life, they're just words. But the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. When we walk around and we've been preached the true gospel and received the Holy Spirit, there is power because the Holy Spirit is transforming our lives and using us for His will and purpose. That is power. Do you know what 
is incredible is that because of the Holy Spirit, we have actually been given everything we need today to live a perfectly righteous and pure life. It's been given to us in the Holy Spirit. The power of God is in us. And that's the miracle and the power in itself that I am sinful and broken, but yet the Holy Spirit is sanctifying me and bringing me closer to Jesus. He's saying, when I come, I'm going to know whether you're genuine or not, because when you talk, it's the power of the Holy Spirit moving in and through your life. How is your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Does He speak to you? Let the evidence that you are a genuine follower of Jesus be shown through your testimony of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You were once bound by sin, but now growing and walking in freedom because of Christ in you. You have all you need to live a righteous and pleasing life before God because of power, because of the Holy Spirit. This is why we chase the Holy Spirit. This is why at our conference, we have our national leader coming to speak on the role of the Holy Spirit in our life. We need the Spirit. The Spirit will move in power because of the work of Jesus Christ. As we continue to lay down our lives, we wanna be faithful, it's gonna help. We don't wanna be judgmental, that's gonna help. We want the power of God working in and through our lives. Let's live it out. Let's live it out. You know, on Wednesday this week, uh, there was a real moment where I'm just so proud of who we are and what we're doing. And, Sometimes we don't, we don't look at it and encourage one another enough about this. I was looking out my window at the Hope Centre team. And that Hope Centre team are incredible people that are serving Jesus faithfully and are functioning in the power of the Kingdom of God. You know, what, what I saw was a bunch of Unihill family members running around, sweeping the car park, setting up gazebos, setting up tables. And then you saw the next two hours where there was constantly 10, 15 people in the car park. But here is the concept that you probably don't know when we celebrate it is that sometimes hurting people hurt people. So you might think because we're giving them food, because we're putting on a lunch, because we have a heart to care that they're nice. Sometimes they're hurting. But yet because of a team that are living in the power of the Spirit, they reflect what Paul says in the Scripture. It says this, We work hard with our own hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slandered, we answer kindly. How do you know genuineness? If that's a word is that we bless, we endure, and we answer kindly because we are being led by the Spirit. Paul says, this is evidence in my life that I'm walking in the will of God. Could we be a people who bless, 
who endure and who answer kindly. Can we display the transforming power of God through the same things? Bless, endure, and answer kindly. Can we stand for a moment? I'll invite the band to come. My heart here with this message is the same as Paul. It's not to condemn, but to warn. We should look at it. This message came from a bit of an off-the-cuff statement that I said during Vision Sunday about, I don't need the eloquence, I want the power of God. But the power of God is the work of the Spirit in us, transforming us, growing us. So here is, here is the practical thing that I want to encourage you to do this week. Bless, endure, answer kindly. So if I do a little recap, I want us to be a community that is faithful. I want us to be a community that is not judgmental. I want us to be a community that makes sacrifice. I want us to be a community that walks in the power of God. And I want us to be a community that lives and walks it out. How can you do it in your workplace, with your children, with yourself, with your finance? Bless, endure, answer kindly. An opportunity to let the Holy Spirit use you to be an example. If you want to be used by the Holy Spirit today, why don't you put your hands out in front of you. Father, I pray today that when we go home, when we talk, when we think, Holy Spirit, we want to be in submission to your promptings and your words. Help us to be and reflect. Are we being genuine in all areas of our life? Father, we know that we're not looking for perfection. You have grace, but we want to be growing. We know, Holy Spirit, you can lead us into fullness today. So would you help us to Bless when we're cursed. Help us to endure when we're persecuted. And help us to answer kindly when we have full right not to. Because we want to display the work of God in our lives. And we want to function in the power of God. Father, we thank you. So right now as we sing this song, we're going to just sing it for a minute or two. As you worship God, the thought that I want you to keep at the front of your mind as you worship God is I genuinely want to pursue you, Holy Spirit. I, I genuinely want you to move in my life. I genuinely want you to address the issues where I fall short because it's not about my influence. It's about Father making a sacrifice to do your will and purpose in my life. So let's sing to God with all our hearts just for a moment and then I'll close the meeting.
Today, the whole time about a genuine faith. But for every person in this room today, we need to understand that it begins with a genuine commitment and faith in Jesus Christ. Let me explain to you really what the whole Bible is about. The whole Bible is about a God who created mankind for relationship. God made mankind to love them. But what happens is the story of the Bible tells us that because mankind sinned, the Bible tells us that every person has sinned. That means if you've fallen short of God's amazing standards, whether you've lied, looked at something you shouldn't, uh, had greed, whatever it is, the Bible says all man, everybody has fallen short, which means they've sinned. Now what the Bible teaches us in this story is that uh, the punishment for sin is death. And what that means is that if you've ever sinned, you're actually separated from God. God is so righteous. He's so holy that sin cannot be in His presence. You're separated from God, which means effectively, and, and it's not preached in a lot of churches these days, but let me be very clear that without Jesus and a relationship with Jesus, you are separated from God. That means you're going to hell. That's what we believe the Bible teaches. You are separated from God for an eternity without Him. But the Bible teaches us God had a plan because He says the gift of God is salvation. It's a gift that God gave to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. You see, at Easter, Christians get excited because we celebrate what we call the work of the cross. Because see, somebody had to pay the punishment of death for sin. So God's plan to restore man back to Him was that He gave His Son 
Jesus. He gave His Son, Jesus, and Jesus came to earth and He lived a perfect life. He never sinned. He never fell short of God's glorious standard. But yet because of His love for us and His Father, the Bible says, For God so loved the world, He gave His Son that whoever should have faith in Him would not perish but have eternal life. This is what the Bible explains, that when Jesus was on the cross dying, He was actually dying for all of the sins of all of mankind for who had ever lived. Whoever was born in the past, whoever will be born in the future, in that moment, He died for their sins. And the Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart that Jesus died, the Bible tells us He rose again on the third day, because He was overcoming sin and death. Another conversation. But the Bible teaches us that when we put our faith in Jesus, all you have to do is believe that He died for you. The Bible tells us that your sins are taken away and they're put with Jesus to pay the punishment for you on the cross. So what does that mean, church? What does that mean, everybody here? It means that if you have faith in Jesus, your sins have been taken away. Therefore, you are made righteous through faith in Jesus. And if you are righteous, you can have a relationship with a righteous God. So the Bible is teaching us very simply, we're all sinners. If you put your faith in Jesus, you can be forgiven and you can go to heaven. But you need to start with a moment in your life where you go, I know I've sinned. God, forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. And then you're pulled into a relationship with God. The Bible says you're written in the Lamb's book of life. The entry book to heaven, your name is in it because of your faith in Jesus. He's taken your sins away. It's important that we as a community know that. But maybe there are some people in the room today that haven't before put their faith in Jesus. So for this reason, I'd ask everybody to close their eyes. Nobody look around. I don't want anybody looking around so that nobody is looking at anybody else except for me. If you want to put your faith in Jesus, it's a free gift. It's just believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth. The Bible says you'll be saved. With no one looking around, is there anybody here today that wants to put their faith in Jesus? If that's you, I'm going to count to three. I just want you to put your hand up and then put your hand down. Just let me see it. I'll say, yep, you can put your hand up straight back down. Is there anybody here today that wants to put their faith in Jesus so they, they know they can go to heaven? One, two, three. Yep, saw that hand, saw that hand. Is there anyone else? Anybody else want to put your faith in Jesus, a free gift of salvation today? Hallelujah, hallelujah. I don't know everybody here. Awesome. Let's pray, church. Father, I thank You for every person in this room. So I'd ask that every person in this room, if you are believing it, whether you've done it before, I would ask that I'm going to say something. I'd ask that you'd repeat it after me. Dear Jesus, come and say it with gusto, church. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I put my faith in You. I ask that You would forgive me. And I ask that You would take my life and make it Yours. I want a relationship with You. I believe You lived, died on the cross and rose on the third day.
overcoming sin and death. Thank you, Jesus.